Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available... On digital, Crow portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. This episode of The Hash is sponsored by Minima.Global. Circle, and Pastel Network. This is The Hash Podcast. Stay informed with the latest on Bitcoin, ETH, the metaverse, Web3, and more with stories that matter to the crypto world. All on The Hash for your ears. You're listening to The Coindesk Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to The Hash. You are watching us on Coindesk TV or listening to us on the podcast network. Thank you so much for being here. I'm Zach Seward. We got Wendy O, Jensen Assey, Will Foxley here to get you up to speed on all that is going on in the wild world of crypto. Jen, take us to DC, will you? Yeah, so we've been talking about FTX for about a week and there is no end in sight. So senators are planning to push forward with crypto legislation backed by Sam Bankman-Fried, despite the FTX founder's fall from grace. Now, as we know, Bankman-Fried frequently met with lawmakers to weigh in on how the industry should be regulated. The bipartisan Digital Commodities Consumer Protection Act is backed by Senator Debbie Stavenow and ranking member John Boozman. Both have received donations from Bankman-Fried. The bill would give the CFTC oversight of the crypto spot market and crypto broker dealers would be required to register with the CFTC. A lot to unpack here. Zach, I'm kicking it right back to you. What do you think of this? DCCPA is still alive after all these implosions. We're still talking about this. In some ways, I think this sort of catalyzed some of the blowback that Sam Bankman-Fried caught from big figures in the crypto world. You know, Eric Voorhees of Shapeshift, CZ, were certainly taking him to task over this bill because it was unfavorable to DeFi, to decentralized exchanges, to on-chain, to on-chain trading activity, that maybe some of the transparency of that would have prevented what we saw with the FTX implosion. So the fact that this still has legs is quite remarkable. I would be shocked to see if this advanced in a meaningful way, given the specter of SBF on this bill and how linked he is to the debates around this one. But who knows? Strange things happen in DC and whether or not this becomes uh, the true test of the ability to buy influence and power in DC power circles, that, that could become interesting to watch if this still has some legs, even if SBF 
is down and out. Wendy, what are you thinking here? I'm really angry. Like I am immensely angry. I'm upset for all the people that lost money. I'm upset at what Sam's tweeting. I'm upset that this bill is still getting pushed through. It's absolutely ridiculous. The fact that these people accepted a political donation, which I get it, that happens, it's politics. But the fact that they think it's still okay to push this through is absolutely beyond me. This man committed so many different crimes and they think it's okay. They just think it's okay. It's just going to skirt by. They're going to go ahead and push it through like nothing. Like consumers don't matter. That retail doesn't matter. I'm going to pass it to somebody else because I'm just infuriated right now. Yeah, I'll snag it really quick. What's dead may never die. And I think that happens with Capitol Hill and regulation. Just because Sam Bankman fried and FTX were behind this bill and they had a meaningful impact on its drop and with the donations to all the legislators behind it, doesn't mean that these legislators are going to let it just pass away. I don't think there is enough of a reason for them to do that. They probably stand behind what they've drafted up and they're going to continue pushing it forward. Most people want some sort of crypto regulation. Even people in the crypto space want crypto regulation. I think this is a good time for a lot of hotshot senators or members of the House to draft something, get their name on it, and make themselves something. You know, crypto is a hot topic. And for senators and for people in the House, this is a way to make a career. So why would you throw something out like this, even if it has someone's name like SBF attached to it? There might be something good in there. Might not be good at all, but at the very least, I think this is politics, right? They're going to continue to push the button on it. It is frustrating. And as you mentioned, Zach, like this got a lot of blowback in the DeFi community and the, the crypto community itself. And for good reason, there's a lot of things in this that are not favorable to any of those different sectors. And there's alternatives, right? We know that there's alternatives that are available. So hopefully that changes shortly. Jen, I think I saw your hand go up, so I'll throw it over to you. Yeah, it's kind of ironic reading through uh, some of the provisions of the bill now that we're getting all of this information about what was going on at FTX behind the scenes. So the bill requires platforms to keep good records for at least five years, share information with the CFTC on request, appoint a chief compliance officer, and submit provisions that protect against fraud, deceit, and manipulation. I thought it was interesting, too. The bill calls for the CFTC to produce reports within six months of the bill's passing including one on historically underserved customers that will examine racial, ethnic, and gender demographics of crypto users and to use that information to inform regulation. I don't think this is necessarily bad when we're talking about centralized exchanges, but that DeFi provision really feels, now that we're learning about what happened at FTX, very motivated. I think that we should have DeFi, we should have CeFi, as long as everyone has the information, we can make choices based on our risk tolerance and based on our wants and needs. But just reading those provisions in this article, I think that it, centralized exchanges need that maybe to prevent what's happening at FTX from happening again. The fact that Sam Bankman-Fried was so involved in this, though, is quite ironic. I'll and I guess one last that. thought. I, I thought Wendy was going to go in. I was just seating. <laughs> Actually, I was I just waiting that. for her. I will go to in. It's cool. It's all right. I got one last thought. I got, I got one last thought. Yeah. So I think the DeFi crowd would cry that this sort of ensconces centralized exchanges as the actors in a regulated crypto environment in the US. And I think it does speak to sort of this weird um, separation between the idea that code can be more trusted than centralized actors. I would argue that most regulators and lawmakers see those centralized actors, those known parties, those companies, something that they're familiar with dealing with as the more trusted entity in this scenario that this bill is advancing, right? But in reality, I think what we could credibly argue 
is that the DeFi stuff, the DEXs, the DeFi protocols that uh, prohibit some of this stuff because they are on chain, they are transparent in a way that FTX wasn't, those may be the more trusted things that we can rely on for a crypto future. And I think that what we'll see is continued debate around whether or not that can be advanced in DC in a way that resonates with lawmakers and policymakers. Can that conversation finally land on not deaf ears? Can it land on a receptive audience that sees trustless smart contracts as far more trustworthy intermediaries for our financial future? And I think that's going to be the work of crypto lobbying firms and others in DC, certainly in the coming weeks. going to be crazy to see. All right, we're changing gears. Who's got it? Pick me up. It's me. I'm next. But really quickly, part of the some of the good regulate some of the good verbiage in that bill was actually stolen from a different bill to kind of push this regulation out and make people think, oh, this is a good idea, which in fact it's hundred percent not. It's very predatory. But I won't get into that too much. And I know this is because I was helping somebody with something. Anyways, FTX accounts drainer swaps millions in stolen crypto, becomes 35th largest Ethereum holder. So you guys remember this weekend when things are going absolutely bonkers and we thought we we're going to get some time off? Well, that wasn't it because $600 million was moved from FTX crypto wallet late Friday. And they said in an official Telegram channel that it happened to be compromised and instructed users to not install any new updates and to delete all FTX apps as those were malware, which I think in fact that they were probably instructing people to do that so that they can the data gets deleted or whatever. I have no idea. But basically... The hacker behind the exploit started moving millions in stolen funds during European morning hours. Who wants it? <laughs> I'll take it. Wendy's I'll take tired. The sad story. Wendy needs a break. <laughs> Wendy needs a break. No, this was a rough story on Friday. We thought that we had had enough of FTX for the week. We thought all the bombshells had landed. And then we got one little last kicker in the pants as we went into the weekend. And that was a huge hack on FTX. We don't know who did it at this point. We know some other exchanges have information on the identity of the hacker or hackers behind this theft of $600 million from, uh, from FTX, but we don't have a public persona as of right now. Of course, there's a lot of allegations floating around, and we can get into that in a little bit. But what we do know is that those funds are on the move, and those funds are always going to be tracked because there's a little thing with blockchains where you can see where things are going to go. And right now, there isn't a great system for breaking that up because of the regulatory moves that we've seen over the last six months, specifically with Tornado Cash. So I do think that if there's any silver lining here, it is that these funds might be found and then taken because we do know the public, we don't, do know the person behind the action on this according to a different exchange that was looking at it. So I think there is a silver lining here, but at the same time, $600 million drained from FTX after filing for Chapter 11 only added to the misery for so many different exchange users. Zach, I'll boot it up to you. I'm so confused. I'm glad I'm an FTX user because this whole story was so confusing, whether this was a hack, an inside job, or some other thing. I like. I don't know. I, did, I, I, I don't know. So I'm going to give it to Jen because I think she probably knows better <laughs> than I. Because this one, I sat this one out. This was too confusing for me to deal with. So Jen, please, please help. It is really confusing. Um, there was another article published on Coindesk this morning that cites Arkham Intelligence. And the article said that the hacker appeared to be in a panic and lost a large amount of money while moving tokens across chains to avoid getting caught. Chief executive of Arkham, Miguel Morrill, said the exploiter doesn't seem to be that sophisticated and may have taken at least one or two amateur missteps by using a verified personal account on Kraken to send tokens to cover transaction fees 
So this person says it's only a matter of time before blockchain sleuths are able to figure out who the hacker is. Just another progression in this insane story. So Ouch. that's I think hacking that's sounds the hard. Thing. Hacking sounds hard. Like you get all this money, is? you're caught in the bank vault, and you can't get out with the money. It sounds hard yeah. and stressful. I don't know why being people a do criminal is hard and it. stressful. Who would have thought? But isn't it but isn't it so interesting that with this like very very dangerous tool blockchain technology that's pretty much public you can see like on a public ledger and like you know you can like track people you can find things out um but again it's so dangerous right and it's only used for criminals but you can use this tool to actually catch criminals better than you could with fiat so I don't know I don't know what I'm talking about guys I just must not understand how this works or you know None of us do. That's that. It's okay. That's that transparency. That's that on chain, that real time audit, man. Are you a Fed, Wendy? Are you a Fed? Are you, are you, are you a split? Wouldn't that be the ultimate split? twist in this story? Oh. That'd be amazing. Well, I'm, it is rumor. I mean, well. yeah, I'll just be mm. quiet. I'm going to get myself in trouble. <laughs> Ooh, spicy. All right. I'm throwing it to I do well. like Will, your hot what takes. are your thoughts? Yeah, no. So I think Jen sort of wrapped it up there pretty well, right? We do know the identity because this person moved funds through Kraken. And use an identity, you know, KYC. It's there for a reason in some cases, and this person moved funds through that account. And so we know through most of the evidence available that it was probably this person who did it or has a tie to that account. Sometimes people do sell KYC accounts. So that is a thing to be uh, of note. But for the most part, we know who did this. And it's just a matter of time before we find out who that identity is. It needs to go public, of course, first. And this is going to be another round of mudslinging. So we look forward to that at the very least. Uh, it's a rough note to end the week on, though, or end last week on that Friday, where we had FTX going from hero to zero in a matter of six days, and then $600 million hack to kick it off. And of course, there's a lot of allegations out there, and there should be like a lot of public discussion about it, because those funds, $600 million, was basically all they had left at FTX. I think there's a few hundred other million dollars in there of like, Tokens are illiquid and liquid. We have a mix of all that stuff. This was sort of like the money that they had left. And now it's tied up in a hack. It could be even longer before people who are going through the Chapter 11 process with FTX actually get their funds because now it has to go through all the stuff that entailed with a hack. But we'll leave it there. Zach, kick it over to you as we go to break. What a crazy footnote to this whole saga that, that a hack capped it all off. Crazy times. All right, we're taking a break. We're going to talk about more stuff relating to this week's crypto implosion. We're also going to talk about some regulatory advancements in the European Union. So stick with us here on The Hash. We'll be right back. So here's a big question. What's the most important thing about crypto? It's not transactions per second. It's not convenience. And it's not even smart contracts. It's decentralization to achieve censorship resistance so we can all be free. Minima is a new layer one blockchain designed to run in full on a smartphone so that anyone can participate in building Minima's decentralized network as an equal. Join over 300,000 Minima node runners on the incentive program today to start earning Minima every day until mainnet launch. Get started at Minima.global. This episode is brought to you by Circle, the sole issuer of USDC and a leader in crypto that's held to a higher standard. USDC is a fast, safe, and efficient way to send money around the globe. USDC is always redeemable one-to-one -one for US dollars and has over $45 billion in circulation as of October 13th, 2022. 
Plus, Circle posts weekly reserve reports and monthly attestations of reserve capital, letting users know that USDC is safe, transparent, and compliant with regulations. Just go to circle.com backslash transparency to see why USDC is a trusted stablecoin. Have you ever tried creating an NFT? Creators usually face limitations from existing marketplaces and tools or are hindered by complex coding requirements if they try to do it themselves. Well, those days are over. Smart Mint by Pastel Network is a free-to-use and no-code platform that makes minting NFTs easier than ever. Create custom NFT drops and collections across ecosystems like Ethereum and Polygon, while also having the flexibility to add customized features and manage existing creations with just a few clicks. Get started today for free at smartmint.pastel.network. Hey there, welcome back to The Hash. I'm Zach Seward. Let's go to the EU. We're going to go to a report by Jack Schickler, one of Coindesk's great regulatory reporters, who has seen a leaked plan for restricting the ability of EU users to use privacy-enhancing crypto coins. So that's Zcash, Monero, other privacy coins that work to help your business stay private. Now, this is a bit of a continuing theme in terms of crackdown on privacy coins in the EU and elsewhere, but this uh, proposal would extend that a bit further should it ultimately get passed into law. Now, we're talking about the benefits of having public ledgers where you can track bad guys in real time. This is the flip side of that coin, and it should be discussed. Jen, what are your thoughts on this leaked draft? I'm just going to take some words straight out of Wendy's mouth. This article made me so angry. Every time regulators talk about privacy coins, it feels like the discussion is so one-sided. They talk about, you know, how these coins are specifically designed to avoid traceability, but they hardly ever mention the very legal, very real human reasons why someone may want to make a transaction and avoid traceability for reasons that are not to do with terrorist activity that are not to do with money laundering. And I would just like to remind everyone that terrorist funding and money laundering existed long before privacy coins existed long before cryptocurrency. And should these things cease to exist in the future, those things will continue to exist. The article said that regulators are worried that the metaverse, DeFi, NFTs, and privacy coins can be used to process criminal funds, bust sanctions, and raise money for terrorists. The last thing I want to say on this is these things are already illegal. Police, regulators, governments <laughs> maybe need to be better at catching criminals than just, you know, creating these broad stroke regulation that prevent innovation happening for the better good of society. And that is the end of my angry rant, Wendy. I'm just very frustrated, like super, super frustrated. I'm going to actually tell a bit of a personal story to kind of segue into this. So we know that regulators and law enforcement, stuff like that, they have so much red tape that they have to go through to do anything. So I had a personal incident happen. I had to go down to the police station to report it yesterday. And they says, well, we can do a police report, but we can't actually do anything to the person because they actually have to do something to you more than just say X, Y, and Z. And I think that that's part of a problematic behavior that we have here in the United States and here in the EU is that things are not set up to really protect people or to help the average person. <laughs> and all of these like people, like our politicians are public servants. They just spend so much time bickering and introducing these very hard to understand laws and regulations, non-playing English. 
then by the time it gets put down to all of the people like the police officers or the lower level folks that are actually that are absolute that are supposed to push this through it just kind of gets caught i guess in the crosshairs and nobody's able to really do anything because there's so much red tape and this goes back to all the regulation that we do have with crypto and trying to kind of figure this out we're not given a clear answer and it's just very very frustrating yeah, I'll snag this one really quick. I wonder what it's like to be in the shoes of someone who's developed Zcash or developed Monero over the last few years. You've probably been waiting for this to actually happen. You've been waiting for a headline like this because that was the point of building this in the first place. It's freedom technology. The entire point of it is to be able to trace or not trace your transactions online to actually bring digital cash to the world where I can move money from place A to place B and no one knows about it. Nobody has any transaction history on it and I can't be caught with anything. We have stuff like that for just messages, right? Signal's very popular nowadays. There's other options like encrypted versions of Telegram. Those things are out there, but there's not quite something like that for money besides Zcash, besides Monero, besides a few other privacy implementations built on top of Ethereum and Bitcoin. So I think these developers knew this was coming at some point. They didn't want to coming to come. And I think they're optimistic that maybe that day would never come. But in the EU, which seems to be very progressive on the regulatory side, this seems to be the path they've chosen to take. And we just have to look back to August when there was a sanction of OFAC uh, from the US government and then the subsequent arrest of a Tornado Cash developer in the Netherlands who is still sitting in jail right now without having any sort of verdict or judgment rendered against him to see what people's stance on this is in the EU and on the regulatory front. Discouraging news, but I do think just to answer, Jen, your point earlier, I think this was somewhat expected from a lot of people in the space. This is the path I chose to take. It's very anti-state, and I think it's only going to amp up from here. Zach, to you. All right, I'll be the narc. I'll be the narc on the panel. I'll be the square. I think that privacy coins are bad because they hurt the narrative that crypto can be self-regulating because it's a set of public ledgers that can be seen and audited in real time. And I think that public transparency and accountability at the code level is what gives crypto a fighting chance to exist in this world going forward, right? I think the cypherpunks are noble in their intentions and they should be building privacy coins that protect financial transactions from the world to see, right? Privacy is not a crime, it's a right. It's important for people to develop their identities and feel safe in doing so. And that should extend to the financial world in some circumstances. But I think Certain, certain things like FTX make the case for public open ledgers far stronger, right? Because it says as an industry, we have the tools to self-regulate ourselves because this stuff is traceable, is trackable. And when it, inter when it interacts with KYC entities, you know, that can have real world implications for real world humans, as we were talking about in our previous story about the FTX hack. So I will be the square who champions, again, open ledgers, despite some despite I'm well aware of the privacy concerns that uh, that exist out there. But Wendy, I'll toss it to you for last word and then we'll go to Will. Really quickly before we go to Will, I just, one of the reasons why I like privacy coins is because some people really do need additional layers of privacy and I don't want to see them go away just because of a few bad actors or because people are scared of them. Yes, public ledgers are absolutely fantastic and we are able to self-regulate a lot better with those. But at the same time, there are some people that do really, really need privacy coins for particular reasons. Will? I don't disagree. Okay, we've had three negative stories, and we're going to end on a negative story. More sad news. According to the New York Times, Amazon is set to lay off about 10,000 workers. They have 1.5 million workers on their payroll globally, and they're downscaling just as Meta, 
Twitter and many other tech companies are laying off into a possible recession. Tech seems to be the place where things hit first. We've seen it in crypto for sure with a lot of layoffs. Coinbase is the one that first comes to mind from the spring where they laid off about 1,100 employees. So a lot going on here. Zach, I want to throw this one up to you. What's your take on it? 10,000 employees is certainly a lot. But if you contextualize it within what Amazon has been doing over the last two years, building a lot of warehouses, everyone went to online ordering. Like It seems there was probably a correction needed. So I would, to me, this isn't like as big of a negative headline as most people are reading into it. Most people, I think, are saying like, it's only going to get worse from here. I agree with you. This, this is 1% of their global workforce. This is sad for those affected, but you know, not, I, not the doom and gloom headline that I think some people are construing this as, right? This is a pullback after a time of rapid growth. It's wild to think of a global pandemic as being like the catalyst for gangbusters economic activity, but Amazon would be the, the, the prime example of that. And sorry, I just said prime, Amazon prime. Mm-hmm. So that I think to Very me nice. is like just the <laughs> the weird contextual situation that we face face here. But again, it speaks to like macroeconomic challenges in the broader market. It's not just a crypto story. It's not just a tech story. It's a retail story. It's an e-commerce story. It's stuff that uh, affects people uh, in the real world. So the fact that a lot of these conversations are happening against a broader sort of macroeconomic picture that's a bit a bit dire. And you know, I think. Uh, may or may not get worse uh, is something that I think is good to remind ourselves of as we cover the crypto space, which is a subsector of the, of the greater economy. All right. I did an Amazon Prime plug. That was weird. But I'll toss it to Jen for last thoughts on this. <laughs> yeah, I, I thought much the same thing as uh, both you, Zach, and Will. It's 1% of their global workforce. I think this makes sense in the context of, of Amazon. But if we pull out and we look, about, look at the macro situation, there's an Amazon warehouse right near where I live. And I was reading this morning that here in Toronto, we are seeing record numbers of young employed people who are now resorting to food banks for food. So I just think that the macro situation is dire. Interest rates are rising. People are probably going to lose their homes. Inflation is at you know all-time highs. And it is a really tough situation for a lot of people out there. And I think when you think about it like that, just exactly what Zach was saying, you read this and then you think like, man, it's just going to get worse. Maybe I'm going to lose my job. And so I hope that people are able to contextualize this story and, you know, just plan for things maybe to get a little bit worse next year as we head into the recession. I don't think we've, we've, um, we've seen the crux of the recession Mm. yet. And so I don't, don't take it all as doom and gloom. All right, let's change gears. Let's go to some lighter fare. Let's talk about some Birkenstocks, y'all. We're going to talk about something that reminds me of the mania of the bull times. We are going to talk about those Birkenstocks worn by the Steve Jobs, sold for $218,000 at auction. And we're talking about it because there was a Polygon NFT linked to these bad boys (laughs) that also came to the winner of these fine, fine flops. Now, it's crazy. It's been a crazy week. We're in the depths of crypto winter, but this reminded what? me that there may be light at the end of the tunnel. These stinky Birkenstocks worn this by the is genius what that you. was Steve Jobs. So I just wanted to riff on that and offer a moment of lightness here in the darkness. And I wanted to ask you, Jen, as our NFT expert on the show, what you think of this sale right here. 
I think this is ridiculous. <laughs> I was reading this story. You know how people buy Yeezys or collector shoes and they display them in their home as a piece of art? This doesn't look like a piece of art. This looks absolutely ridiculous, but I could just see someone, you know, running around in the metaverse with their Steve Jobs NFT Birkenstocks acting like a silly person. And so, I don't know, if I saw these at someone's house, I'd be like, okay. I mean, maybe like they should be in a museum of technology. That's where I would like to see them. Wendy? <laughs> well, apparently there is a market for men's used shoes, just like there is for women's used shoes, I guess. I and also, the same. <laughs> I just think this is the reason why this is so funny to me is because my father in law, he wears Birkenstocks. He's got a big gray beard. He loves to drink whiskey and um, he'll also growl at you. So that was the first image that came. <laughs> Amen to that. Will, any thoughts on these on these Burks? I know you're you're a Burke fan. Are you a Burke I'm fan? I'm a Burke Do lover. Burke wear. There we go. You know, it's snowing in Colorado. I wear them every day, no matter what. The only thing I want to bring up is that there's thrifting coming to the metaverse, and that's beautiful. I hope there's more of it in the future. Beautiful, right? Thrifting in the metaverse. Mm-hmm. It's a thrift, and it's a flex, and it's a wonderful thing mm-hmm. to see. Kind of. Anyway, we'll leave the show there on a little bit of a lighter note. Thanks for bearing with us on that. I'm Zach Seward. That's Wendy O. Jensen Assey, Will Foxley, collectively, we're known as The Hash. Check us out here on Coindesk TV and the Coindesk Podcast Network. We're glad you're here. Stay safe out there, and we will talk to you tomorrow. Bye now. Stay liquid. You've been listening to The Hash on the Coindesk Podcast Network. We would like to hear from you. So if you have any questions or comments, please reach out to us at podcasts at coindesk.com, subject line, the hash, or leave us a review on your favorite podcast player. Thanks for listening. 